Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 18, Transition of Satellite Broadcasting to Satellite Broadband Services. To take a deep insight into this topic, we have today with us Vincent Misbud. Hi, Vincent. Welcome to the good. podcast. Yes, good morning, Omkar. At least it's good morning in my terms. <laughs> yes, it's good morning here as well in France. <laughs> I think it's yes. just one hour difference that we have at the moment. Indeed. Yes. So thank you very much, firstly, for giving your precious time, and uh, we, I really look forward to you know discuss this topic in detail. Uh, but before we proceed into the topic. uh can you please give a brief introduction about yourself and uh in general like how you ended up uh, you know in the space industry okay thank you for that yes i've been in aerospace and defense for more years than i care to remember certainly in excess of 35 um by training i am an engineer um a broad based engineering background obtained at cambridge where i did my phd i then have been in a number of industries starting life in the UK scientific civil service and progressing in a variety of industries principally aerospace and defense related as i said um <clears throat> until about 5 years ago i was involved in industry as a senior director ending up with cobham plc as their <clears throat> group a cto for europe principally because of itar issues uh for the past 5 or 6 years i've been a consultant working in aerospace um moving more and more to space because of the importance of that industry for the future um in many countries and with particular interests as i've mentioned on technology uh, but with a broad background so i'm happy to comment on market aspects as well thank you thank you very much vincent i think it's a very interesting background that you have and uh, i to come from a similar you know kind of mixed bag of background of both science technology business journalism uh, <laughs> so i believe yeah so i i think i can very much relate to you know uh, your expertise and um, at this level uh, where you are at the moment i believe you can you are able to just scan the market in a very shorter time and give a very much you know uh, i would say high level critical perspective of of course for people like me it is still you know kind of a, a, a broad and high level pathway we still have to catch up to that level but i really appreciate your background i think we re- really need people like this in the industry because space itself is interdisciplinary and it really needs people from each and every industry to look into the space applications that's how the innovation will be fueled in this industry Yes, I think you're quite right in saying that. What I hope to achieve today in this discussion is to give a perspective. Um, it is a very broad subject, so I will almost certainly end up 
um, focusing on the areas that are of most interest to me. And I hope you will bear with that. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, without any delay, uh, we'll straight uh, dive into the topic. So can you tell us how the industry's transition from satellite broadcasting to satellite broadband will affect the businesses in the downstream market? It's a very interesting question, and I think it's worth looking a little bit at the history of this sector and the way we've progressed from something as simple as Telstar to do television transmitting, or at least it reflected the signal through to broader television broadcast, through to broadbands, through to communications, initially fairly narrow band voice, then spreading to broadband to the current situation where we have the potential for truly worldwide connectivity with all that implies. There are a number of issues that need to be considered in terms of the market because it's not a technology-driven solution. It is very much a customer pull solution with all the implications that has in terms of politics and in terms of economics. So it is complex and I can only hope to cover a few points. Um, certainly, satellite broadcasting was instrumental in opening the world to knowledge and an understanding of what is actually happening. As broadcasting via satellite removed the limitation of terrestrial broadcasting, be it for television or, or radio or whatever, and opened up access to other parts of the world, then it is having a remarkable impact on politics in terms of um, an understanding of world affairs. The downside, of course, is that it also permitted the start of misinformation and an increase in propaganda, and that has to be borne in mind. Now, as we've moved from broadcasting to broadband, the key change, perhaps, is that this makes it bidirectional. Once you move from broadcasting, which is a customer receiving of information for them to assess, through to broadband, which is when they can start responding. They can be selective as to what they listen to. They can provide feedback. And that is a sea change in the broadcasting industry. Is this making sense to you, Omkar? Yes, it definitely is because, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the more and more transition is going to affect uh, in the way the business direction is going to go. And I believe we are reaching a point of discussion where things are going to, uh, you know, scale up in a hybrid manner. Am I right? You're quite right. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of it is the integration of terrestrial and satellite means of communication. And that is deliberately as broad as that. Um, we are seeing yes. tremendous developments on the terrestrial side as well in the move to the use of radio networks such as 4G and 5G, the ability to complement uh, information with situational awareness through GPS, through eLoran and through many other aspects. And as you pointed out, Omkar, it is becoming a very integrated picture where you can have information and awareness 
at a very local level down to the individual. Yes. That, of course, opens many market opportunities. And to be honest, it is almost a case of what to do first, because there are so many things that can be developed. Yes, definitely. I think one of the prominent example of the hybrid market at the moment is the in the downstream level is the OTT. Uh, because I have I have seen like a lot of platforms who are fiber based or optic based in general are uh, utilizing satellite uh, chipsets to amplify the signals in the rural areas. Uh, so I think somewhere you know the hybrid communications is already in the play at a smaller level. Uh, but in general, I would like to ask uh, how companies both from satellite and non-satellite segment should potentially look to tap and adapt to the satellite broadband market? I mean, in general, how should they look to take advantage of the satellite broadband technology? Yes, it's a very interesting question because it will depend on the geography. Um, my What I mean by that is it depends on what country you're in. The economic picture will make a big difference. Is there a lot of... Um, disposable income that can be applied to this, or is this a case where we're starting from the less developed countries with an opportunity to expand and allow them to develop their capabilities? So it will be very, very different in different countries. One of the things we are seeing in some of the more developed countries, and we've seen it particularly recently in the United Kingdom, is a move back from <clears throat> satellite broadband to a combination based more on terrestrial broadband as the availability of those networks, be they wire or fiber uh, or, lo or local radio, um, to provide a more integrated and more cost-effective solution and i think that's the key thing you have to choose the right solution for the particular environment you're working in in the more developed countries as more and more fiber optic infrastructure is put in place then that is likely to be the more cost effective however in order to gain access to broader areas and other countries you may well have to resort to satellite so the combination becomes very interesting the perhaps a key point is that that may not be the right question to ask. I think you may actually be able to assume, and certainly in the more developed countries, that that connectivity will be available. The exciting bit is what you can do with it. And that's where downstream services become so important. Yes. You also have to consider um, competition and also um, the opportunity for interference, not only uh, unintentional, but deliberate. And we've seen examples of that already in navigation, and that may well move to the communications sphere as well. So one has to be, ca be careful. If we set aside the more developed countries and look at the less developed nations, then there my statement is not true. You do have to consider the delivery of the communications channels and the combination of terrestrial and satellite-based. And there we are seeing the evolution of models that essentially have local satellite hubs, which then use local Wi-Fi, local radio networks 
to then distribute that and provide access to the the internet the world wide web to the local community and individuals and from the point of view of um, both education health economic development that is a very very exciting development so those are a few points to think about i think Opka. yeah i think this is a very interesting points that uh, you just mentioned i had like several guests uh, from the satcom uh, but hardly anyone has actually focused on this aspect because as you mentioned the geography the economy the conditions of the nations matter the most for example in india uh, we have a quite a lot of rural areas so we see uh, a prominence of uh, even though you know the satellite broadband is not much preferred it's the fiber but we see a lot of cellular backhaul happening yes. in india because there are a lot of uh, uh, rural areas over there and i think of course but cellular backhaul is something not you know so much common in the developed countries uh, because of course there are not there are some rural areas but the population is not to the level in which you know the india has uh, yes. So I believe this is a very important point. And I think uh, definitely, I, I believe like we can definitely create a follow-up episode later in in future, in possibly next six months on this specific topic of uh, how the geographies and the economy matter for the SATCOM business. Uh, yes, because so I believe, yeah. yeah I, I, I believe... think your example is a very good one, Omkar, because yes. we need to learn from what is working in some countries and then be careful in making sure that as they translate to other nations there aren't other dynamics that call, come into play as you say population density does matter access to um the you know disposable income also matters and also need so it is very much a case-for-case -case basis but your point is very valid yes definitely i think uh i believe down the line uh this topic has to you know come in the spotlight I, and I have never seen actually a lot of people in SATCOM discussing this thing. Uh, we have always discussed in the industry about the technology, about the need for the new innovation. Uh, but I believe this non-satellite elements which affect the space industry in general uh, needs to be in the spotlight as well. So yeah, thank you very much for you know putting the spotlight on this topic. Uh, I think we'll take a deeper dive into this topic ahead. Uh, but yeah, just before that, uh, because uh, I personally, you know, work in the uh, military satcom segment, so I'm I'm very much curious to you know have your answer on this uh, question. So, from your perspective, what will be the effects of this uh, transition on the defense sector? The defense sector has its own drivers, and the one thing we are seeing, particularly in the states at the moment, is a desire for integration of sources of information. And in order to deliver that, you have to have very effective communications. And that is principally going to be driven by a satellite-based solution, a satellite broadband, essentially in a variety of forms, because the military cannot rely on the terrestrial infrastructure. They will have to create their own networks in operational situations, and those will have to be linked via satellite or perhaps by some local uh, networks or local transmitters but the satellite is the more generic solution um, a problem has been that satellites are not interoperable um, 
we have seen even the military satellites from different suppliers, different constellation of satellites do not necessarily have the ability to talk to each other. So this is a major problem for the military at the moment. So we are seeing a development of more common standards, which may well have to be applied or um, <clears throat> be used by some of the commercial suppliers if they wish to supply the military network. Um, but the defense sector seems to have an insatiable appetite for bandwidth. So there are plenty of commercial opportunities. Um, we're ultimately limited by the <clears throat> available bandwidth on the satellites, but realistically that could be used much more effectively if we improve um, the timing sources, if we improve, improve the clocks that are used in order to be able to fit in more channels within the same overall bandwidth. And that is potentially possible. Omka, you made a point earlier on in terms of the drivers of the market. Yes. And those are quite different in defense. So may I just come back for a moment to the commercial side? Yes. A key point that is often said and often forgotten is follow the money. Uh, I'm yes. afraid that is the reality of things. You can have lots of technology, but only if there is a user is it worth pursuing. So when we yes. develop new technologies, we must make sure that we understand who is going to benefit from it and who is going to pay for the service. So just always bear that in mind in those discussions. So thank you for letting me say that. Coming back to defense, yes. the picture there is quite different. The picture there is capability, less affordability. You know, the, the open check is no longer there, but because there are lots of demands on defense money. But having said that, defense will pay for performance. And that is perhaps a little difference between that and the commercial sector. So broadband, satellite broadband will be at the heart of most um, defense communications. It has to be for naval applications. Um, for land, obviously there are alternatives, but they're not as effective. And the flexibility of satellite broadband is a key driver that is enabling new capabilities. It'll enable the deployment of artificial intelligence to assist the local commander, because you have to integrate sufficient information for the artificial intelligence tools to give you advice or comment or to point you in the right direction. Fascinating field that's changing rapidly at the moment. Yes. Uh, also, just to add on uh, what you said at the moment is we are also seeing the rise of uh, multi-domain operations where they want to connect all the systems. Uh, yes. And I think the satellite will be the core part of it. Uh, so do you have any comment on that as well? Um, you are right in that we are seeing multi-domain operations as becoming the norm. It almost doesn't matter if it's peacekeeping, peace generating, or more significant warfare, as unfortunately we're seeing at the moment in the Ukraine. In all cases, yes. we no longer have an army, an air force, and a navy. We have an integrated force that needs to be able to communicate effectively. And that yes. is a very significant challenge. Historically, 
their communication systems have been developed uh, via different routes. The demands are somewhat different. As you can understand, the demands for range, the operating environment is quite different. So there is good reason for them having been different. However, we do have a number of standards for interoperability, principally in terms of communication message formats, which are a good starting point. However, we are seeing the development of uh, common protocols that have been based on existing interoperable message formats, but we are seeing such a demand for information, be it reconnaissance, be it situational awareness, that those are becoming less relevant. So a lot of work has to go into the fundamental data interoperability. And this is a focus of space commands, both in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in Europe, and in other parts of the world. <clears throat> we see some good work in India, in Singapore, in Japan, and Australia has also a great interest in this area because of their particular geographic um, concerns. Yes. So it is an area that will develop over the future, but you're quite right, Omkar. Satellite broadband will be the, the backbone of all these communication systems. Yes, yes, definitely. Also, uh, we have seen recently the rise of NGSO constellations which have actually triggered the demand for satellite broadband services as we we're discussing. So what are your thoughts on the current landscape of Leo and Mio market uh, in terms of both opportunities as well as challenges? It's a market that is certainly developing rapidly and I can only offer some views um, because it is such a dynamic market at the moment. The aim is of course, you know, was set out many, many years ago by the O3B consortium when they first started trying to get internet access to everyone across the globe. And that is a laudable aim. We've seen the O3B, we've seen OneWeb, we've seen lots of constellations uh, beginning to emerge and some are now reality. It comes back to a point that we discussed earlier on, which is the business model. Is everyone going to have a satellite receiver or are you going to have satellite receivers in hubs and then distribute using terrestrial networks? And the jury is out on that. I think we're seeing both developing. Um, it depends a lot on the economics of the particular region that we are considering. Um, there are yeah. certainly other constellations planned. Um, I actually think there is potential for more um, but it will they will start targeting different parts of the world where they can create a business model that makes sense again all these investments have to at the end of the day um, return for their investors and that is understandable there are challenges the technology is not particularly difficult if i'm honest there are challenges with the ground-based receivers, making them cost-effective, because the difference, of course, between LEO and GEO is that you have to track the satellite, and that, of course, is not always easy. And you have to be able to change between satellites. But I know you've covered that in other podcasts, so I'll just mention yes. that as a quick reminder. 
Um, yes. So that's not a very satisfactory answer, but it's the best I can do. It's an evolving market. I do see other players emerging. Um, and I do think it will be a significant part of the future communications picture. Yes, I think uh, from the investment point of view, I believe the ground segment invest investment is quite hefty in NGSO segment. Yes. And we always see that if the cost of operational cost generally or the manufacturing cost as well, if these two aspects drop or reduce uh, in the upstream market, then eventually the downstream market services become much more affordable, much more cheaper in terms of, you know, the consumer uh, consumer's purchasing power. Uh, so do you believe like the hefty investment in ground segment might pose challenge to the satellite operators in the reducing the cost and eventually how it will, you know, possibly affect in the downstream businesses? The first point you made is very valid. The affordability of the potentially interesting downstream services depends very much on the overall cost of the communication channel. And a significant part of that are the ground stations. Now, a potential way of improving that is by making those ground stations and the end terminals more efficient by improving by increasing the number of channels you can have by reducing channel spacing. <clears throat> Excuse me. That will depend on some key technology developments that are potentially possible over the next five to 10 years in improvements in clocks. Because if we have more accurate clocks, then we have more accurate frequencies. If we have more accurate frequencies, then we can combine more adjacent channels into the same bandwidth without interference. And that is potentially exciting, but it's not there yet. In terms of the ground stations themselves, um, they have to track the satellites, they have to act as the link, they have to control the satellites. What they do is actually quite complex um, and accordingly fairly expensive at the moment. Do I see a major sea change there? Perhaps not. I think the main advantage will be one of volume, of traffic, and of the number of constellations, which may permit the improved utilization of those resources. Um, again, it's the best that perhaps I can offer at the moment without going into great detail as to the operation of those stations. All right, okay. And uh, from your experience, I mean, this question is more out of a curiosity, I would say. So ah. from your experience, do you think other NGSO operators will be able to compete with SpaceX Starlink and how it will change the market dynamics? Um, if I can draw an analogy, I was concerned about GNSS solutions. We had GPS, um, we had the European Galileo system, we had the Russian system, we have the Chinese system, and yet we are seeing regional operators still able to offer their own, such as India, for its own area. We're seeing other solutions in other parts of the world. And if we can draw on that analogy, and I know it's stretching it a bit far, I do think that there are opportunities for constellations that perhaps may be optimized for certain parts of the world and certain ways of operating. As you say, 
there are costs associated with ground stations in addition to the costs associated with satellites. So um, it will be a competitive field. We will see some solutions emerging and perhaps struggling, um, but I would not be surprised to see an additional one or two coming into the market, perhaps more regional players. But that's about the best I can say without seeing the way that the current market develops and we're seeing encouraging signs um, and equally well without seeing the innovation that podcasts such as this encourage in terms of the use of these networks. That's what it's all about. If you can create services, create means of adding value, generating revenue, then all these become more affordable. Yes, definitely. As you uh, as you've mentioned rightly, we can expect a lot more players, you know, coming into the market. Yes. And I think uh, there are still a lot of companies who are coming up, uh, though not, you know, the companies who are not fully launching the satellite. But there are there is a certain kind of you know encouragement in the entrepreneurs these days today to you know start something in the satcom and that in the new space market. So I believe yes. uh, hopefully we'll see more and more companies and. I think the optical communication, of course, it's it's a complete different topic. Uh, let's not go into completely into it, but I believe that will also play uh, possibly a crucial role in the future. I mean, it will change the way we see at Satcom. Uh, but yeah, I think it's still not uh, mature to that level. The technology, I would say, because we haven't really seen any optical terminals uh, except for the inter-satellite links. Yes. Uh, not in terms of you know actual communication, we haven't uh, yet seen. Uh, but no, yeah, hopefully down the line, yeah. Yes, we're certainly seeing in the defense field. We are seeing some developments in that area that are quite exciting um, because of the extra bandwidth it gives you um, and the ability to make the beams much more targeted, and that again reduces the opportunity for um, interference and for unwanted tracking of the signals and of course um you know the electronic warfare side of things so you're right optical is a field to watch and it is almost the case of watch this space because i do think that developments um, are likely to be quite significant over the next five to ten years yes definitely i think we are uh, almost reaching the end of the episode Yes. So, Vincent, from your experience, like having a decades of experience, I would say, in the defense industry, in the aerospace, and now in the space industry as well. So what message you would like to share with the entrepreneurs taking leap of faith in investing or, you know, starting any kind of initiative uh, to enter the NGSO market? I think there are potential opportunities uh, there are certainly opportunities in the downstream market, you know, services, the way that um, satellite and terrestrial communications that can be integrated will create huge opportunities that could expand into contributions for the actual satellite um, and ground station side of things where novel solutions, novel provision of services, again, is attractive. It is a rapidly developing market, and that must be exciting to entrepreneurs. Yes, definitely. I hope uh, our audience takes away a lot of key points from this episode. 
uh, and it will be helpful for them to understand the difference a lot of time it happens uh, people who are especially new to the industry or who are the research scholar the students they find it hard to you know understand how the satcom market works or how in general the space industry works so i think this is this is a benchmark episode to you know differentiate of course between the satcom uh, in the satcom verticals like broadband and the uh, broadcasting segment and of course to receive some critical insights as well uh, so yeah thank you again uh, vincent for your precious time and we hope uh, to create some follow-up episodes in the future for sure because there are a lot of really good points that you brought up in the discussion uh, especially the one which we discussed from the angle of economy uh, population density i believe uh, there haven't been much discussion in the industry about uh, this elements so definitely would love to uh, create some follow-up episodes in the future with you thank you very much vincent Amkar, thank you i hope this is of interest thank you bye-bye thank you for listening to this episode if you find our podcast insightful then please like share and subscribe see you in the next episode Thank you.